0: My name is Noah. Hey, Noah. Good afternoon to you, sir. We have a great show coming up on this week's episode of the Linux Action Show. Noah's got a new build. He's setting out to build an ultimate Linux rig for himself for a high-performance-demanding task, and we'll tell you more about that in a a little bit. (laughs) On a budget. On a budget. A key point there, sir. And we'll cover the build, where it's at right now, and all of that, and what it'll eventually end up doing here on this week's episode. Also in the news, we're going to dig through a couple of big releases for Linux, really major application releases. We've got some great feedback and before all of that, Noah, you know what we got? The picks! You got it! We got the picks! And this first one, I have a suspicion there may be a story behind. It's a point-of-sale system that runs Linux.
1: Squirrel! So I was, yeah, so I, I was working, I'm working for this, um resort center of sorts they have uh they have like four or five restaurants <clears throat> and they have a water park um and I, in fact i think i actually sent you some pictures because uh what anytime i work there i have to go get a meal there because it's <laughs> and so uh and so i i think i've sent you a couple of pictures that of, they have yeah. incredible food there um and well it's, anyway so <clears throat> i was out there troubleshooting their pls system that wasn't working uh a couple last thursday or friday and uh and i get there and i turn the thing on and the first thing i notice is it says fedora Fedora core, you know, four or five nice. or something like that. And I'm like, whoa, Linux on a POS that I didn't install? What? <laughs> so as, and, and so I'm kind of looking at this thing and looking and digging into it a little bit. And, and it turns out it's made by a company called Squirrel Systems. And Squirrel Systems, they're a POS manufacturer, and they make two different uh, – they make three different categories, if you will. There are two different categories. The category is – the first is they have the software, and right. the second category is the all-in-one POS. Now, the all-in-one POS comes in two variants. The first version is a Windows variant, and the second version is ah. a Linux variant. Now I I did a little bit of digging and I'll t- I'll give you one guess, Mr. Chris Fisher. Uh huh. What do you think the primary? What, what do you think the majority of their sold units are? Ooh. Option A Windows or option B Linux. Mm, I'm gonna go with GNU/Linux. GNU/Linux. Yay! They actually recommend that GNU/Linux operating system on their POS because apparently those have had far less uh, trouble and performance and stuff. And the the, the huh. reason that they offer a Windows variant. Is if it has to tie in with uh, some other software applications or stuff like that that, that, that they don't want to have two machines sitting there hmm. they offer. But if you just want the POS thing, it runs perfectly on Linux. Now, the interesting thing about the way this device works is when it starts up, it looks for a boot TP server, goes up to the boot TP server, and actually loads that entire Linux image, almost like a dummy terminal, from a main central server and loads it onto each of the individual kiosks. So the great thing about that is if you're in a restaurant and let's say, you're at a KFC and you want to add the family. <laughs> and let's, and just let's say. say that you have the, let's say you have the, Get the a family the, uh, bucket. You have the family bucket, and you want to drop the, <clears throat> you want to add so that uh, you have you offer six biscuit version or a four biscuit version. Yeah, you can change that on the on the on the server on the boot TP server. You can add that option or change it, ah. and then instantaneously, the next time any of those kiosks or the the POS stations start up, the buttons all change on all of them simultaneously. So you don't have to manage. You're not managing. And so this pro- particular property, they have like 25 of these things. I don't have to manage 25 individual POS systems. I just have to manage. The, the the one central. Wow, server. so does that
0: mean if the DHCP server is down or something yes. like that, that the, all the points or, are...
1: or Or if like on Friday, if you have, because it's on its own special VLAN and yeah. you have the switch that fails, and now the machine doesn't even turn on because it doesn't oh. have an operating system and it can't reach the DHCP server. So... Oh yeah, it, it have very, very heavily relies on, on a functional network. So you go from zero is, to a
0: hundred in the uh, criticals <laughs> call. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly. However, the good news is, at least in this particular install, they are it, there is a there is a uh, there's a credit card interface that is doing all the processing. So the credit card machines that they do for the swipe because of the chip readers and stuff is actually an outboard unit that functions independently. Oh. So you'll still be able to take payments and stuff like that. You just wouldn't even be able to like enter the receipts and print because it can do the thing where it prints out on a, on a designated kitchen printer and stuff like that. Huh. But if you're in the market for a POS system or you're looking for something to kind of scale your business up, I think this is kind of a really cool way to go and powered by Linux and I didn't actually I wasn't even the one that did it. Like the, they the Squirrel. That the That's squirrel really systems. cool.
0: Yep. Yeah, that is pretty cool. So uh, you find it at squirrelsystems.com You go over there, right? Is that it? Yeah, squirrelsystems.com. Cool. That is it. Dot com. Dot com. And uh, you can find the POS hardware and I guess you could also find the Squirrel in a box if you're so inclined. Mm-hmm. Squirrel in a box. <laughs> Who even knew? Who knew? All right. Well, that's pretty cool, Noah. I like that. I like the name too. It reminds me of uh, of a of a different time. Some of the PO systems I installed were all XP based. Oh man, they were just a nightmare, dude. <laughs> so I'm glad to see uh, something Fedora based. Did you happen to catch the version by any chance? Two. Uh, is is
1: Fedora Core
0: like four or three or four? Or oh my god. Old. Is that Ins- is that oh, no. is that better? <laughs>
1: To be fair to Squirrel Systems, to be fair to Squirrel Systems, <clears throat> one is, again, payments are not being processed through these things. It's oh, yeah. simply right. order placement so, and receipts. That's right. number one. Right. And number two, the system has been in place for the last, like, seven, eight years. We were just uh, – we have taken over the, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. the IT properties. managing boy, man. it. But I'm sure the new ones are using a more
0: up-to-date version of Linux. Pretty cool. I'll tell you, I can get your latest up-to-date version of Linux right now in less than 55 seconds, and that is at DigitalOcean.com. Do you see what I did there? DigitalOcean.com. Check it out for a simple cloud hosting provider. <laughs> Dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way for you to spin up a server in no time. Linux infrastructure, KVM for the virtualizer, SSDs for the disk I.O., and data centers all over the world. That is data center in a nutshell. they got a simple interface that rocks everybody else. Doesn't matter if it's a native application or a web app. They rock it. they got an API that people have embraced. They've just gone and given a big API hug, and they've made a ton of great apps all around DigitalOcean. You can be like a master of your DigitalOcean droplet, throwing commands at your droplet from your phone without ever having to write a single line of code. DigitalOcean.com, go there and use our promo code, here's the thing. All one word, lowercase, like you're slightly inebriated and can't hit the space bar. All lowercase also implies You are not properly functional enough to use proper capitalizations. I really want to emphasize this point, because then you get a $10 credit like a maniac in Vegas. You can spin up a droplet and run it like cray-cray. At $0.03 an hour, you can do one of their big rigs and really, really check it out. I mean, really try something cool. There's so many things I've used DigitalOcean from. Are you still running own cloud up there? Because I was thinking about spinning up a new Nextcloud.
1: I, I am, and so far I've been able to sync my data. We're going on like five mm-hmm. months, knock on wood. Nothing bad <laughs> yeah, has happened. Yeah, I so. think I'm
0: going to do the next. You could stay on the ne- own cloud train if you want. I'm going to maybe tr- jump over no, the next if cloud I, track.
1: The next time I make a change, I would go to next cloud. haven't It works, and like I, to be honest with you, I feel like it might be the unicorn, you know? like I feel like mm-hmm. there might be, it might be a unicorn install, mm-hmm. and if I try and redo it, then I'll start losing data again. Yeah. So I kind of want to, I don't know.
0: Plus, another thing that makes me really kind of inclined to want to try it i got that high availability, block storage. Mm-hmm. Block storage, SSD-backed, yes, please. DigitalOcean.com, go check them out and use our promo code, here's the thing, you get a $10 credit. It's been up a Linux rig from scratch or an entire application. they got a bunch of great distos, distros to choose from, including they even have that crazy free BSD. It's not quite Linux. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I think so. BSD, it's new. It's something I haven't heard it before, but I guess they just put it up there. You could try it. I think it's like a Linux clone, but it's got a, like a like a weird it's, license.
1: It's the older, outdated version of Linux that hasn't really kept up. That's mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Also, if you want a little tutorial on setting up vsftpd based on users directory, they got a guide up there for Ubuntu 16. Oh four, up at DigitalOcean. Check it out. DigitalOcean.com. Use the promo code here's a thing. And thanks to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Linux Action Show. I got an app pick for you that I'm excited about because it comes from an audience member. So how can you not love that? Yeah? Okay, I'm ready. And I happen to know it's applicable to a large percentage of our audience because it's a podcast catcher for the command line. Oh, yeah, so that there's a, probably a good swath there. This is called Podfox, being developed by BRTMR over on GitHub, and uh, it is a program for managing and catching your podcast from the terminal. As he discloses, it is a work in progress, so you are using it at your own risk. The configuration is super simple. You list the configure, you uh, list the directory, the number of episodes you would like to retain. And then it, and it has a very nice uh, uh, structure. And he lists it out. He breaks it out here on the site. And you could import feeds very easily. Like, in fact, in, on here, he shows, it, 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 for example, PodFox import and then the URL to the TechSnap feed and a name you want. And it, 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 it skip, it, Then when you do that, it spits you out a list of all the episodes that you could pull down right from the command line. And you can tell how many times you could do. You could, if you give it a short name like TechSnap, like TS, or you could give LAS, L-A-S. You could say, PodFox, download LAS, dash, dash, how many, equals, and how many episode numbers of LAS, of the back catalog you want to go get. So three, or 20, or 100, and it would go pull them all down for you automatically. It's really neat.
1: I'll be very honest with you. I feel like most of the time when I want a tool that works over command line, it would be in the same situation where I wouldn't have an audio
0: interface to listen to mm. something. I'll tell you where I could totally see using it is on a media Let center. me guess.
1: Hold on. Hold on. Let me guess. Let me guess. What? Let me guess. What'd Do you want say? to put it in Quake?
0: Quick, yeah, yeah, right. Yes. But just every time we have a terminal app, you're yeah. like, I could put it in Quake and have a pull down. I love Quake <laughs> dropdowns, but no, I was no, actually too, but- I was thinking like because uh, it could, you know, it's just pulling down RSS, so it could it could, could do MP4s or whatever. It'd be mm-hmm. great for a media center where you watch a lot of video podcasts, have it run in the background using cron or something like that, and they just go right into the directory, you fire up Cody, beep, 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 they're all listed there. I mean, like with JB, okay. we've got a Cody <laughs> add on, so you don't really need it, but I, I could actually see it being nice if I had if I had one central server that downloaded all my podcast, and then I just used my machines over the land to go pull it from that file server instead of downloading a whole bunch, could see that. And I think some people probably... I think that is kind of a semi-common thing that our audience does, just because they're a little yeah, more technical. Yeah. And
1: yeah, I, I guess I didn't think about it from the automation aspect. From the automation aspect, I think, yeah, I, I guess I agree. There'd be a lot of there'd be a lot of use for that. Or <clears throat> even if it wasn't on a media center, maybe it just runs on your file server. Yeah, exactly. And then I don't have, and then it, it, it's all in a central location. And then then I just all listen to my or sync or yeah. whatever it is I'm doing yeah. to get those files. Yeah. That's kind of what I was yeah. thinking. Okay. I
0: mean, I could totally see it too. If you just have an aversion to desktop applications, you want to try to do as much as you can in the terminal, or if you've got a tiling window manager and you just like the way things lay- are laid out like that, maybe is another reason to use PodFox. But yeah, if, I've, if I'm on a desktop, I, I might lean more towards G-Potter, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But Podfox for the command line.
1: does have some. It does have a have a couple of things that <clears throat> I feel like this would would solve. So for example, I was downloading, a, a loading a podcast that had like no organization to it whatsoever. Like half of the tracks are the title name. Half of the tracks are just unnamed. Like, and there was no like I, I, ID3 tags. Like it was just it was just a mess. It was just a massive mess. And the nice thing about something like this is you could you could you could you could incorporate it into a script where the when the episode comes down, it goes into a, a staging folder. Where where it then gets named and organized or whatever it is, and then gets copied off to the download. Because the problem with Gpotter was it just dumped everything into one folder, and then I couldn't tell like which ones are organized, which one I haven't, which ones I've touched. It's just it was a mess. So I there I could see some it, some really advanced power uses where this would be a lot more useful than Gpotter.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. If you're a terminal junkie, why not? You got one more thing now you can do at the terminal. Here's, uh, come on now. Here's a spotlight that answers a common email we get into this show. How can I manage my personal finances under Linux? I don't have Quicken, and I want to use the Linux desktop, right? We get that all the time.
1: Five years ago, I actually was trying to to do something like this, uh, and I was working with my dad, and he was kind of solving the same problem, and we settled on GNU Cash, And we played with it for a little bit, but there is a i mean GNU cash it was it, it was a, it was a great that we had something to go to and i'm glad that, that there's a lot of fine folks over there that have put a lot of work into that program and i'm sure it works really well for a lot of people but it has a long, long way to go before it catches up to like the the um the user interface of, of something like ting or DigitalOcean or or uh, or even quick and i hate to say it but it's true and so HomeBank is a modern banking application that basically is like an electronic version of your checking account except of course local side and so i was going through <clears throat> a mess where i was migrating banks about two and a half weeks ago and i oh. had i could only move so i i didn't want to move all my money over at one time because then it's, t- it gets caught up in the whole ACH cloud where I can't access it for like three days because it left my one bank, but it hasn't really. Been released <laughs> yes. Yet. Yes. Well, so I'm doing this in stages, right? I'm moving over like a, a, a big chunks at a time. Well now I have a new problem because now half of my money is in one bank and half of it is in the, uh, the other bank. And it's, it, it's in motion the whole time, right? Like I'm paying bills and automatic payments are going out. <clears throat> so how much money do I really have? Oh, and am man. I going to make it to the end of the month? That's yeah. I'm trying name. to figure all this out. So what I did was I used HomeBank and I put all of the, I, I created the two separate accounts. And and then I would just, anytime transaction would happen on one of them, I would enter in it yeah. and then HomeBank would tell me my total balance and had all of the stuff listed. And I put that HomeBank file inside of my own cloud folder and all of a sudden I had access to it from every machine. Oh. And uh, I was super blown away with how, oh. with how simplistic it is. Now, frankly, nice. to be completely honest, full disclosure, I think, and you probably are as guilty of this as I am, I think both you and I and most people like us just tend to use their online banking as their accounting. So like I don't really need to enter my transactions because I can just look at them in my online transaction history. Right. And if that's your, if that's your case, this doesn't do a whole lot for you, but if you have multiple accounts different places or another place that I'm using it and I'll continue to use it even after this is, I have like a, a, a general savings, like a sinking fund that I save up for random different things, but I have like I had a spreadsheet and I was like, well, so much of this money is allocated for this and so much is allocated for that and whatever. And now I'm using HomeBank to go through and make myself little sub-accounts inside nice. of my
0: big savings account. Yeah.
1: yeah. I so think my, it's, I it's think my lady friend
0: app. would like this a lot. So I'm gonna send yeah, this her way. Cool. And I you know what I like about it is that it's freaking GTK, which means it'll match my desktop theme. And of course it runs reports, which is great for those of you who want it. It can help you do budgeting if you want to create monthly or manual budgets. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, if you but if you got month or annual budgets you want to run or you wanna want a little data point about your finances, automatic assessments you can do auto completions. It's really, really nice. This is really a good pick. So uh, check it out. Home bank, homebank.free.fr, and we'll also have a link in the show notes. If uh, you would like to enjoy, if you'd like to partake in a little home finance management, not the most exciting pick, but damn, if it isn't one of the most common questions we get into the show. So I'm glad. Well,
1: and when you need it, there's nothing else. Let me tell you,
0: there's nothing else that will suffice. Uh, I guess a spreadsheet. Yeah. 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 All right, Noah. Well, let's do the news. The news and this episode is brought to you by Ting.com. Go to com to get our discount. Support the show. You get $25 off your first Ting device or off your first month of service if you bring yourself a phone. Now, Ting is mobile that makes sense. No contract, no other termination fee, and you only pay for what you use. That's Ting in a nutshell. Average lines 23 bucks They got GSM and CDMA. So, if you know what that means, that means you got more choice. You also get a great customer service experience and a fantastic dashboard to manage it all. And speaking of Ting prices, they just recently lowered the price of their data. Data is now cheaper on Ting. From now on, prices look like this. Need more? It's just $10 a gig. That's what new customers pay. That's what current customers pay. It's simple. We like simple. See for yourself at ting.com slash rates. You know, they got uh, Noah's favorite phone still on sale, the Moto E second gen. No, it's dude. Been... I'm telling you. Somebody. Here's the thing.
1: You you do realize because you keep bringing this up, you do remember I bought one, right? Like I bought. I think about the last generation. Yeah, and you like did. I know I you did. Who have like the lowest possible expectations for smartphones? Like I mean, really. That's why I run keep giving you a hard time. Telegram. I, I'm happy. Like I just I bare, I needed to make phone calls, email, and Telegram. That's it. And I couldn't even do that well without crashing <laughs> all the time. Like, so you, Noah you fully don't buy recommend. that phone.
0: No, Noah no, says <laughs> Buy buy yeah. a Samsung S three. It's oh my really goodness. it's a better phone. Oh my seriously, goodness! Seriously, you're being it hard. You're being hard. No, I would I'm say I would phone. say you know what? There's so many great phones. I really uh, the, the Moto E doesn't do it for you. Even though Noah just gives it such a solid recommendation, uh, I would seriously consider the LG Tribute five. Good phone, hundred and twenty one dollars, no contract. You own it outright. Or even the Internet Phone five. You're still gonna get iOS ten. I think with that son of a gun. I'm not sure. Hundred and seventy eight bucks. Uh, you know if they don't have the iPhone seven. Yet for you Noah, but if you keep your eye out, now here's where you go. This is the one to go with the G4. Now, now you can't come on. You can't deny the G4. That's I a, like the LG G4. Do you remember? Do you remember when that phone first came out? And I went into the cell phone store to play yeah. with it,
1: and I took a I took a picture from yeah. afar, and I'm like, what is that? Yeah, because it. It, like it has every, if you're. A it's kind of almost that, like, side to side really glass. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. If you like the aesthetics of an iPhone, but you want the Android operating system, LG G Four baby.
0: You know what else would be a really, really good purchase? Because I have still got one. Samsung Seven. No, dude, the Nexus Five uh, X for three hundred and thirty-eight bucks. That's unlocked, no contract, pay for what you use, full raw dog Google experience. You own it outright. I mean, that is Can, 338 uh, bucks. That's a great deal for that uh, phone. It's going to go uh, down see, soon, I, too, I bet.
1: Yeah. So here, I had a friend that was just going through this, and he was looking for a phone. And we were kind of trying to do it on the cheap. And uh, we looked at the 5X. You know what he eventually ended up buying? And he's mm. been really happy with it. It's going to kill you wanting everything brand new. But he bought the original 5. And I think having played with the 5X and the 5 side by side, I think I kind of like the 5 better. Even though it's an older phone. It's the same phone with just it's not the same phone. Better it's stuff. not the same phone.
0: You know it's not. That's I, not true. Okay. Well, they're That's very similar cuz I have the, had them both as you know. Yeah. And Yeah, and I guess you've used both more extensively than and I have. The five, I, I think also the 5X feels like a cheaper build quality the, than well, the Well, I kind of agree there. But the 5 was just end of life, dude. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. Right. But it's still a good phone. It still works. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what looks like a really nice phone. Uh, is uh the damn uh, Note 7. Too bad it's blown up because I did want one, I really did. I really kind of wanted one, but you know, I now would say for now, my next phone would be the 6p. If you can get if you want a high end phone, so we've been talking low end phones. They, aren't
1: they, uh, hold on, before you buy that, aren't they refreshing them like super soon? The,
0: the Nexus, next generation? I would, yeah, yeah. I think so. In fact, they're rumored to even be not called Nexus anymore, they might be called Pixels. They might call them the Android Pixels or something yeah. like that, yeah. That's so, weird, but okay. Whatever happens, I'm going to st- I know I'm sticking with Ting because I can just bring whatever device I want and just pop the SIM and I'm good to go. You can check your device over there if you want to bring one or pick up a new device just start by going to last.ting.com. And thanks to Ting for sponsoring the new segment. And I look forward to the UPS guy eventually bringing me a, n- a new Pixel phone potentially. I don't know. It is
1: October the chat room says.
0: October, huh? Yeah, that sounds October, right. The That's the what chat, I've heard too. The mhm. Mm-hmm. There's something I want to talk to you about because I feel like it could be bad news for Linux and open source in general. And it's come and gone, come you. and gone a lot. What's that? I'm here for you. You can talk Thank to you, me. buddy. Thank you. It's this It's this bill that uh, Senators Burr and Senators Feinstein are looking to bring into law to outlaw encryption. Um, and mm. it's not good. Tech Dirt's reporting on it. Julian Sanchez got his hands on one of the few uh, drafts that are being floated around and has an analysis so this is pretty, pretty exclusive stuff. In the draft, Sanchez has been seen, or uh, has seen, t- uh, tries to fix some of the problems, quote unquote, but doesn't really fix the main problems of the bill. And here's an example. Mm-hmm. The bill would uh, st- uh, strictly be about law enforcement investigations and a variety of ser- serious crimes, including federal drug crimes and state equivalencies. That's a a pretty that's a big list. That's that's actually a pretty big list. The bill uh, apply applies would be uh, specifically exclude criminal infrastructure or sorry critical infrastructure. So critical infrastructure could still use encryption, apparently. So somehow if you have critical infrastructure, you can use who defines critical infrastructure. And here's the legalese. The phrase "reasonable efforts" would be added to the definition of technical assistance when recipients uh, the, the, the recipients are required to provide. You would be legally required to break the encryption. Um, the original drafts' obligation to provide whatever technical assistance is needed to isolate the requested data, decrypt it, and deliver it to law enforcement would be replaced by an obligation to make reasonable efforts to do those things. Now here's the uh, here's the reverse way to read that. If your software doesn't allow reasonable efforts to decrypt the data. It could be illegal if you don't so, have a, you know, if you don't have a method if you can't provide a reasonable assistance. This could quickly take that the software couldn't be used for a lot of different cases where these things the government requirements are are important. It also could so, go ahead.
1: No, I was just going. I was going to take it off. So, go
0: ahead. Last thing I'll just say is, it also could make it really sticky for people who want to create software that is specifically based around files and secure and encryption or communications and encryptions like Telegram is or like right. Libre Vault is. It could make distributing that software in the United States, if it doesn't have these, if it doesn't follow the the this bill, these which will become weak. law, if it doesn't yeah. follow, it could become technically illegal. So, what we're trying to
1: balance here. Is the government's and law enforcement's legal and and perfectly reasonable right to execute search warrants with uh, an individual's Fourth Amendment right <clears throat> to privacy? Right now, when you if you think about it in that in that framework, then you you can't say that because the, the Fourth Amendment is not designed as a shroud to shroud illegal activity, right? But at the same time, it is supposed to be difficult. It's supposed to be hard and difficult and a pain in the butt for law enforcement to violate the privacy of an individual citizen that's the whole idea of the 4th amendment and so to create a bill that says that by definition we have to uh, we have to allow law enforcement to uh, by design to be able to get access to users data that that i think that's a fundamental constitution uh, constitutional violation if you want hmm. to encrypt your data and and provide it you know, in, with a password, that's no different than me putting my secret stuff inside of a very heavy safe. And by the same token that the the police department can't force me to give them the password to the safe, they tell them I just – I don't recall. I don't recall what right. the password to that safe is. And then they have to go through and drill the safe open so or blow it open or whatever they have to do. The that's local our, here. The, that is. responsibility is on them.
0: The loophole here is the end user is not required to decrypt it. In fact, the way the bill is written, just reviewing right. it a little more, the controller of the encryption—that's yeah. the definition. But that's that, like,
1: but that's so, like but here's the problem. Okay, fine. Let me change my example then. That's like saying every safe manufacturer has right. to provide yes. a master code yes. to all of their locks, so that yes. the government can get into them if they have a. So that, that's ridiculous. That's not to not only is it ridiculous. A lot of times in the past, a, a legal precedent has been undue burden to a business. So if you can prove that something is an undue burden to your business, then we've used that to to guide legislation. And the problem in this case is you have companies like Telegram or uh, or TrueCrypt before they went you know uh, belly up, or Lux, for example, that base their business model on providing. Uh, undefeatable encryption, or as close as we can get to undefeatable yeah. encryption, yeah. to the user. And so by requiring them to build in a back door, and, and, and the problem is you're under. You're undermining their business model. And yes. the, the bigger problem is, we don't even have a guarantee. The the government has no way to guarantee that those back doors would never fall yes. in hands. And that's assuming that the, it's only being used for just legal, uh, you know, legal proceedings, which in and of itself is a bad thing. But then right. beyond that, you can't control what hands that falls into.
0: Yeah, um, I think the 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 scariest part for me of it is there is some level of precedence that's been set here in the telcos. So the telcos have a certain amount of immunity as long as they participate in the federal government cracking or monitoring or observing either the metadata of communications or the communications themselves. And the precedent has essentially been established that if you are providing a form of mass communications for the public, you are legally required to give them a way to access those communications. And this is this is something that is already applies to the telco industry that I believe they feel, specifically Dianne Feinstein, feels that can be perverted into applying to the technology industry as a whole because so much communication good happens. What's that? Perverting? But no, just
1: good phraseology. Yeah, perverted. Because uh, yeah. It, because I it, am begrud, I will begrudgingly accept that 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 happens inside of telcos and what it, we've uh, part of me says we've just lost that battle, and there's no point in fighting it. And the other part of me says, well, I would never take anything I truly cared about and transmitted over the internet anyway, encrypted or otherwise but when when it comes to when we start talking about local data encryption things that are on my hard drive pictures and photos and 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 text documents and stuff that i want to keep safe on my own computer that's never going anywhere that doesn't talk to anyone else and now you're telling a company uh, or or in, in in our case in our world you're telling random people on the street that just happen to contribute code to github that they have to provide a backdoor
0: uh, or it, or that code becomes illegal to use in the us yeah. Really, I, I would see the success they would actually have implementing this to be the same success they've had at stopping piracy. This right. is going to be, if anything, this would this could eventually make open source software riskier to use, but also absolutely more competitive uh, to some people who desperately need those things. Yeah. Well, good and bad. Sue?
1: Who are you going to go after though?
0: That's I mean, going to go After
1: everyone that that has a commit, it's it's just, it seems unenforceable, I, do doesn't it? That?
0: It seems ridiculous. Yeah, no, it's,
1: it's completely unenforceable. Which is, and so fine. Fine, you go after GitHub and you say they can't host their code there. Well, great. Now it'll show up on torrent yeah. sites, and yeah, it just, yeah. it's impossible. See, so it Feinstein it doesn't
0: seem like which uh, to to put all this in perspective. Diane Feinstein sits on the Senate Intelligence Committee. She's the head of the Senate Intelligence Committee. She is the she is the tip of the beast of the intelligence entire intelligence community. Everything that they want legally goes through their different avenues in Congress and in Senate and she's the she's the top gatekeeper for them. So she represents the utmost desires of all of the different intelligence agencies. So that's really mm-hmm. what this is about. That's why it's coming it's no coincidence it's coming from Diane Feinstein, who's been on this now for a while, and she's had several different attempts that have failed in her face. Let's talk about something that might help protect us from all these different backdoors. That's Ubuntu Touch. might save us from Android and iOS one day. And this looks like a pretty solid update. OTA 13 is going to be released on September 14th, so just, um, well, by the time you're hearing this already. And it's got numerous improvements. It's really great to see... Ubuntu Touch developing very rapidly. And uh, softpedia has got themselves an exclusive here. They say we've been monitoring the development of Ubuntu Touch OTA 13 closely for the past month. And we can tell you almost all the components, including the default apps, the scopes, have received improvements. As expected, there will also be optimizations to Unity 8. And Mir is up to version 0.24 in uh, this release. It's in final freeze right now. The biggest attractions of OTA 13, which means if you OTA, by the way, is over the air. So if you've got an Ubuntu Touch, you're just going to be getting this. It's going to be support for Android 6.0 BSP, which is not Android itself, but the board support packages, which opens the gate to new Ubuntu phones and tablets um, and better, better power management, too, that... Uh, will also, for some reason, bring better copy and paste support. But regardless, it's going to mean more uh, more, uh, tablets and phones that Ubuntu Touch could possibly run on. So that's really cool. Good to hear the scope updates. Nice to see all of the major packages getting bumps. Oh, something else they've done in this is some improvements to how X11 apps are categorized on the phone and launchable in Ubuntu Touch. I don't know if it works in smaller phones or not because I don't have one. But I'm just picturing myself one day with a nice, like, Surface-like tablet... Or a, like a Nexus mm-hmm. tablet or an NVIDIA Shield mm-hmm. tablet and run an Ubuntu mm-hmm. Touch on it. I think that would look real nice. So for those of you who it are would. already uh, riding the Ubuntu Touch wave, OTA 13, to be released soon. So uh, you know your friend who just got the Nexus 5? He should flash uh-huh. that. Put that on there.
1: Now. Yeah. He, well, he's not, he's not terribly tech literate, so I don't know if he do that. But I do have oh. an original Nexus... Uh, I have a, a Nexus 7 tab. I think it's a 7 tab, 7 tablet. Uh, and I have, I have been, ru- I bought it specifically to run Ubuntu Touch on, and I just haven't updated it in a while. And mainly because the battery would die, you know, like five minutes into it. So,
0: yes. yeah, I might try and update, update yeah. that one, and see yeah. how that works. totally, dude. That I think would probably be pretty cool. And if you've been frustrated with the lack of uh, things working in Ubuntu 1604, maybe you'd install that and find it works quite well. You never know. So, I want to talk about something. Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah, Wi-Fi probably does work better. I want to talk about something that is potentially interesting. You might not have Nougat yet on your Android phone, but you can put it on your PC. That's Andex. It's a project to bring Android Nougat with the Google apps and Linux kernel 4.4, which I think is pretty cool, to your PC. And uh, nice. It's best installed from a USB stick to a modern PC, according to the author, and uh, my testing has definitely just bared that out. I think it's kind of notable that it ships with the Google Apps package, giving users instant access to Google's applications and services, which, let's be honest, these days, Android's pretty rough without them. Um, There's also some other pre-installed apps. Here's a weird thing, though, Noah. Mm -hmm. Not a free download. It is, got to pay nine U.S. bones to download an ISO image. Or a zip archive to install this. So that's a little different. That might put some people off. I, I had a suspicion since you got to pay to download this thing, people might not be willing to kick the tires where they might otherwise be interested. So I went ahead and yeah. uh, had, uh, had I took the plunge, as it were, and I decided to install it. And I put it in a VM here, which is. <laughs> Not the best idea. I think it's probably better on a physical PC. So, uh, you know, keep that in mind uh, as I show it to you. You weren't
1: willing to wipe your ass for the show. Is that what you're telling me?
0: What did you say? You weren't willing to wipe your OS for the show? No, I wasn't. I wasn't ready. I just, no. But I figured I'd try it in a VM here. So I'm going to gonna kick it off with, the, with apparently a very floral background. And uh, we'll see. Where the, you see the background there? That thing is it floral. Worse, it could be worse. It is variety. It is a random wallpaper. Sometimes it is. <laughs> it could is. be a lot worse. And so, so far, it hasn't caught me on air, but I'm waiting for it. So if you're watching on the video version right now, you'll see that Android is booting up in a VM, and you, you get a pretty recognizable environment. If you're using virtualization, though, you might find a few things don't work. Like right there, the Google Play services just crashed. Uh, and it's a little hard to use the mouse and stuff in virtualization. But it is full-on Nougat with G apps ready to go. And if that, for some reason, pulls <laughs> <holds> your chain... <laughs> <laughs> I guess have us. <laughs> I like the way you phrase that yeah
1: I just, completely unbiased I, I
0: I I was curious because I actually think Android like on a netbook could be kind of a cool thing so I was kind of curious and it is a pretty nice he's got different screenshots so it's actually a pretty nice implementation and it's got freaking Nougat and the G apps so that's not bad for all, all things considered that's actually kind of a compelling setup this looks nice it does look nice yeah you want to play with new I, I,
1: I keep trying to figure out why I would want to run Android on my desktop for the love of God. I can't figure it out. I keep
0: trying to figure out how people can stand to run Android. Yeah. Even I, though I do not stand to run it on my phone. I, I do just it. Don't, yeah, I, I have yeah,
1: zero, uh, uh, zero desire to run it on my desktop. I'm I guarantee to you bit.
0: there's somebody out there doing it right now. Let us know. You're the one guy. Let us know right into the show. Let us know. Okay. Let's talk about a cool desktop Linux app. Let's shift gears here. Karita 301 is totally badass. You know, I Panita and Karita and all these different—they're not getting enough attention these days, and they're just some mm-hmm. seriously competitive applications. The new release high, highlights the ability to adjust brush settings down to like super fine details. I like that a lot. You can set your artwork. Uh, you, by the way, did you know this? Did you know that Corita has full CMYK um, support too, which GIMP does not. Still, I believe.
1: I I didn't, but I do know that uh, I've talked to uh, producer Michael Tonnell a, a number of different times regarding the the tools that he uses, and of course he's one of those guys that he will do everything in his power to do it under Linux, and then whatever he has to run in Wine or, or virtualized, if he has to knock something out that he can't, he, you know, he'll begrudgingly do that. And he was telling me that on the on the scale of open source tools, as they compare to their proprietary alternatives, like Creta is right up there. Uh, with top-notch. And he fa- in fact, he said there are a couple things that he can really do in Krita that he can't do in ev- even some of the proprietary ones. And so uh, it, it got a super strong recommendation for him. I don't know anything about the graphic design world or business. I mean, I do very limited amount of things and I use Inkscape for the, the, the tiny little SVGs that I do do. But from what I understand from the people that use these tools heavily, Krita is like... That's the If you're going to learn a piece of software for graphic design, that's the one that you get do to get to.
0: The new release, also kind of notable, includes the first results of their 2016 Google Sum of Code already, which is pretty pretty early, as well as some of the Kickstarter-funded features that we covered not too long ago. Yeah, and that's pretty nice. So they got some good stuff landing in here. There's also other like minor changes in Krita 301, which was just going to be a maintenance update, but a bunch of really good stuff actually ended up landing. And it comes down to small things, too, like uh, smarter input boxes, which support simple math, per-stroke, per-stroke fuzziness sensors, and the ability to add gradient maps as filter layers, and better Pixel 1 presets. Also, new Japanese animation templates. So that's Korea 301, and it's out now. And it's it was going to be a minor release, ends up being quite a big release with the Google Summer of Code stuff in there, the Kickstarter stuff landing, and uh, the new uh, brush settings and features. Pretty nice. Congratulations to them as well. Now, no, I know you're a big gamer. I know you like to game. I am. And if you dispute that, I will fight you at land. Yeah, On one one, it i scope you. So. I don't, I don't disagree at all. I that sounds like something pretty reasonable. So you might have been pumped to hear. About a new game, Rocket League, that's come to Linux. Now, it's yeah, it's soccer meets um, racing. Um, super Mario Brothers. And meets Super Mario Brothers meets like crazy co-op play. And it's getting a lot of super solid reviews. I was actually just this morning, I was talking to listener Seth about it. And he's like, I'm super excited about it. It's a lot of fun. And also, I'm really happy how quickly the Linux port came out. Because I guess it's been a hit for some people in our audience that have had to end up using wine. Like animals. Yep. Yeah, in fact, there's a,
1: a group of guys in Mumble that uh, that played it on Wine, and and they uh, and they've been constantly trying to drag me into it. And I'm like, I will, I will buy the game and play it when my vote can go to Linux. And until then,
0: go play your own games. Well, good news, and it's uh, and so been out for a little out, bit. I, I, you better catch up, yeah, because uh, it's been out now for uh, for a little over a week, and uh, it's. Uh, I, I got the day
1: it came out. My telegram blew up, and yeah. people let me know. I just haven't had a whole lot of time to play racing.
0: Oh, man, man. Just, <laughs> as we record this live right now, you could still get it on a, on sale. It's on sale for 16 more hours. So there you go, No. Oh, nice. There I might have go. to do that. Yeah. Now, if you're watching live, that. that'll help you. But if you're l- 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 playing this on playback, there's no way you're still going to make the sale. But So Rocket League has landed, and it's a uh, soccer meets driving in a really kind of cool physics-based multiplayer, um, well, soccer game, <laughs> I guess you could call it, with crazy-ass cars that fly around and hit balls and it is a lot of fun to to, it is surprisingly satisfying to smack those balls with your car I never thought I would be a ball smacker with my car but I do like it. And I like the flames coming out the back and all of it. It is quite the experience. So check out all the games over on Steam now, because if you haven't looked for a while, holy crap, there's a lot of great games for Linux. And it takes every ounce of self-control I have not to come on here every week and just go on on about how many great games there are. So every now and then we've got to bust out when a good one comes just to keep, just to just to let a little pressure out. Just a little pressure out about all the great game releases. All right, that's all the news for this week. Every now and then, one of us feels the call to build the new Linux rig, but we've always got to watch that budget, and that's why I was fascinated by Noah's new project, and I want to know what he's building it for, and it turns out, I think I like the reason. For but you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Before we get into that, I want to thank Linux Academy for making this segment uh, just possible. Go to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged to support the show and learn more about the Linux Academy platform. They've got video courses, which are self-paced, in-depth video courses on every freaking Linux and cloud and DevOps topic. They've got hands-on, scenario-based labs, which give you a real sense of working with the material because you're really working in a lab environment. That's, they spin up a virtual machine. The distro matches your choice. So does the courseware. Learning plans where you pick a course and you set a time frame, you get to stick to it. And they have instructor mentoring to help you through it. It's pretty great, too, because they got a community full of Jupyter Broadcasting members, which turns out whenever you're just feeling a little bit of that slump, it's nice to have that. I wouldn't have thought, but you know, that's one of the things I've taken away by being a Linux Academy member now for a while. Go to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged to learn more. It's a platform built by Linux users for Linux users. Linux and open source technology isn't just one of the features for their platform, amongst other things. It's what they do. It's what they focus on. It's what they're all about linuxacademy.com slash unplugged and a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Linux Action Show and thank you everybody for visiting the Unplugged URL. We stole that from those jerks over at the Linux Unplugged show. I don't even know. I don't even know if that show's still around. (laughs) People actually get mad when I say that. People actually get upset because they're like, I love Unplugged. I'm like, dude, I'm just kidding. (laughs)
1: I get, don't, don't you dare. dare. You know what? That Chris on that show is way better than your show. Okay? Yeah. I'm just going to say. That he Chris comes, out, he comes way, off. He makes better points. He's he way more,
0: more reasonable. Yeah, uh, he yeah I agree. I <laughs> very much like that Chris better. So don't be dissing that Chris, okay? All okay. right. So uh, we're going to go behind the camera for a little moment and learn about Noah's new build. So take it away, Noah, from the past. This is pretty much
1: what you're used to seeing every week. And we've gone over a lot of what happens on the JB1 side of production because frankly that's where the most exciting and innovative things are. I don't really buy new cool machines very often Uh, and when I do it's usually for a client or, or for a purpose. And so a couple of weeks ago when Chris came to me with some concerns about the video quality, I decided it was time I needed to start acting like JB was a client. They're a client that's coming to me with a need and I need to address it with the same veracity and and gazelle-like intensity that I do with any other client. And so I went online and I worked uh, extensively with The Beard to help me pick out a killer machine to increase the video quality here in the remote studio of JB. So let me show you exactly what I'm working with right now. And then I'll go and show you why I made the changes I've made, and the purchases I've made, and how it's going to make the show even better. Let's take a look. All right, this is basically what I look out at every week. So, I've got the studio camera here, which faces me. I've actually got it shut off at the moment. And then that studio camera goes over here to the rack, which I'll show in a little bit. But the end result is that I get whatever's coming out of the my production machine up here on a 32 inch television that's mounted slightly above the camera, which is why if you watch carefully, you'll notice me kinda doing one of these. That's me looking at the screen to see either what Chris is saying or check my own shot or something like that. But the real magic happens over here in this rack and over where all the control systems are. So let me, let's go over there and I'll show you exactly what happens, how the video comes out of this camera and gets to a machine that we're gonna send to JB. And again, why we're pl- we are replacing one of those machines. Uh, at the top we have all of the networking stuff. This is where, um, obviously, internet comes in and we've got a switch to connect everything. And then I have a PDU, or power conditioning, uh, power distribution unit. It has little rack lights that come out and can shine down all pretty like. One thing I didn't really consider when I was putting together this room was I had them uh, pull out all of the ceiling lights and put in um, you know video grade production uh, fluorescent lights. Uh, should have really thought about that a little bit more because all of the lighting is facing over near the talent area, and I use the word talent loosely. Um, but I have no light over here to see what's going on in the rack, so it makes it really difficult to do any troubleshooting uh, at night without a flashlight, which is you know, it was kind of stupid planning on my part. Um, but the video comes in from the camera, goes over to a capture device, and that capture device right now <coughs> is going into this uh, HP computer. Now, this was a computer I bought um, Specifically to address some of the issues we were having, uh, and uh, you know, as usual, I buy a used computer, so it's like a second-gen i5, and uh, quite frankly, it just isn't quite up to the task of handling video the way that we want to do it, and thus you get a lot of really slow frame rates, and I, I learned that the hard way, I guess. Um, and this computer is—it's not rack-mountable, so it's just sitting here on a little rack shelf where I keep you know an extra USB cable and extra Cat 5 cable stuff like that. <coughs> And that's kind of what we have right now. So uh, and then that that of course goes over here to this display which is a mirror of that TV over there. So what the goal is going to be here is to replace this machine and get something that has a little bit more beef to it so that it can handle doing um, all of the video stuff we want to do. And so that's where the new parts that I just got, they just came in and I just got them assembled and I'm excited to show you them. This is really the heart and soul of the computer that I just assembled. Obviously, it's missing a couple components, like a case, which they forgot to deliver. Ah, they got the motherboard, but though. But this is an Asus Z170E motherboard with a 6-gen i7 processor and 16 gigs of Ripjaw's RAM. Now, I don't think I'm going to run into any resource limitations with this computer. Um, the Beard helped me pick this out. and It's hands down the nicest computer I own. Uh, we're going to put this in a 4U case, which they forgot to deliver. We're gonna put it into that rack over there and that's gonna become the main production machine. So when I remote into Chris, I'll be using this. Now, I want to build a second version of this, a slightly less powerful version, maybe go with an i5 and maybe just 8 gigs of RAM, and I want to use that as a remote connection machine, and then I'll have two machines in here. One will be my OBS rig, which will be doing all of my video switching, and then that will send a mirrored HDMI output over to this remote rig that I would like to build, and that will actually send the connection over to Jupyter Broadcasting. This will facilitate a true remote studio, and then, of course, later down the line, the idea would be that that remote connection rig eventually streams RTMP up to a cloud switcher, which we're still working on, but I'm trying to keep all of that in mind as I go through these builds. Now, I did go, and it's not sitting right here, but I did have a EVGA power supply, which is modular and really, really Uh, a really solid power supply and I'm pairing it with an 850 Samsung 850 Pro 128 gig solid state drive and so that's going to be my new production rig and hopefully that solves a lot of the broadcasting problems that we have. Now truth be told when I pulled it out of the box I did assemble it ahead of time before I even noticed that the case wasn't here but I never used to do that. I used to just assemble the motherboards and assume that they would work, and that's because I've always ordered ASUS and always had their outstanding build quality and quality control, and so I've never really had to worry about it. Until we used those off-brand pieces of crap uh, at JB, and then I realized that not all motherboards were created equal. Gigabyte. And with other uh, you know, superior or, or I'm sorry, inferior motherboards. You have to assemble them ahead of time so that you can correctly identify when they totally fail on you, and you have to send them back. And then Newegg decides they're not going to take them back for a variety of reasons, and really, why you should have ordered from Amazon. Uh, but the ASUS board is a really good board. This whole system, from time till I unboxed until I got it up and running, was 22 minutes. Twenty-two minutes from the time the parts arrived and we we're sitting on my living room floor till the time I had an operating system and it was ready to go. Now there's no case, so it was running, you know, just laying on a cardboard box, but it did work. And I highly recommend this particular build setup if anyone's looking for a cost of, the sweet spot, cost effective, not like all-out amazing and yet not totally on a budget, but you want that nice, that nice middle ground where you're getting the best bang for your buck. Um, Rakai and I spent literally a week, I think, looking at different parts. And it actually took a trip all the way for me in Seattle until we were sitting on the couch until we finally uh, finalized the uh, individual components of this. And we're gonna have links to all that in the show notes. So if you're interested in a computer, I think all said and done, the parts were about 350 bucks. Um, And that doesn't include the hard drive because I already had some of those. We stocked those, so I just grabbed one of those. And, that was it though. Everything else is 350 bucks, I think. So really a, a decent computer for a really decent price. Um, highly recommend you take a look at it. And if you have any suggestions, go over to jupiterbroadcasting.com, click on the contact link, choose the Linux Action Show from the drop-down menu, and let us know if you have any suggestions of how I can make this build a little bit better uh, while being budget conscious.
0: Nice sir, nice. And I, I was sensing I was sensing some, some frustration with the uh, uh, failing was, to ship I was the a case. Little upset. And also I was, the slam at decep- Gigabyte, I went, I, I, decep- I noticed. Yeah, yeah okay. I I'm, was I was
1: still butthurt from, because uh, from, the problem was that Gigabyte issue, <clears throat> not only did it put us behind schedule and not only did it create a crunch and not only did it cause a rift between you, me, and Rakai for a little bit as we're trying to hash out what one to replace it with. But then <clears throat> for like weeks following that, I kept getting emails from people who are like, if you'd like me to show you how to build a computer, I could teach you, no. And I'm like, you idiot. We we'll pull the motherboard out like it didn't work. With three people here that have assembled numerous computers, like it would. There was clearly an effective motherboard. It had nothing to do with how I was <laughs> assembling it, and uh, and so uh, like it wouldn't have that problem with ASUS. But yeah. everyone is asking for the actual parts, uh, and so obviously those are going to be in the show notes if you're if you're watching. But if you're in the live chat room uh, in between segments, we'll get you a list of the the individual parts that we used. Um, and so if you're you know if you're really anxious at the bit, they'll be coming right up. So just cool. Relax. Nice. Um, but yeah, well so, anyway, so I guess what I was going to talk to you about or really kind of what the episode is about is how do you feel like this fits in line with with the things that you're trying to accomplish at JB if I have a more powerful machine and you know right now I'm using uh, right now I'm using this is a a laptop i7 with integrated graphics obviously um this computer I mean to start out it has integrated graphics so I'll probably end up putting a graphics card in it probably like a 970 something 980 like that something like that but uh but how, how do you think that's going to help or, or fit in with um, facilitating some of the goals that you want to accomplish?
0: Well, so the main thing we've been striving for for over a year now since we did the uh, all audio experiment. Uh, so when we mm-hmm. went all audio, that was really about just really upping the production quality. And some of those lessons learned we've right. now applied to user error. Uh, so it, ha- it was right. actually it was a pretty useful experiment. But the one thing we mm-hmm. went back to video is we we promised we would keep chasing the quality as far as we could. Now, <clears throat> because we're maniacs, the other thing we've done is we said, "Well, let's do it all under Linux. <laughs> do all of it. Do all of it under Linux." And uh, that has meant that we have thank gone, you by the way. <laughs> <laughs> we've gone around on a few different issues uh, a couple of times trying to get this right. And one of the things I noticed right when you switched to your laptop, uh, and so this was a good mm-hmm. indicator to me that just stepping up the hardware a little bit. Uh, makes a nice difference, mm-hmm. is your frame rate for the like, last little bit has been really good. And the picture quality is pretty good, right. too. Like, it's it, when, mm-hmm. you, especially when you don't move. <laughs> yeah, if you just stayed still the whole time. It looks good, and so I think I think, I think... I think I'll take that as a compliment. I think as you add more hardware to it, you know, more uh, more dedicated desktop class hardware, I I think right. we're going to get the... I think we're going to get literally the absolute best remote quality connection you can have using all open source uh, software with without having i mean there might Mm -hmm. be better stuff out there but it's going to be ten thousand dollar hardware to do it with big proprietary commercial licenses and stuff like that it's not going to be stuff that just anybody can do it one of the nice things that we're working on is the solution is fully scalable so the remote video solution is scalable to uh, a phone all the way up to yeah. a very high-end machine, and that's nice because we can bring in guests, like I did during the elementary OS um, uh, 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 release announcement, where I they came in remotely, I pulled them in using the same system we're using now. They're all Linux-based as well, didn't have to go through a big rigmarole, didn't have to have them install some desktop software, didn't have to use proprietary right. software at all. And so what I like about the solution and, is as much hardware as you can throw at, the best picture we get, but it's scalable all the way down to if we need to be on location with a phone.
1: And the other thing it seems like would work really well is if we can get some of that Cloud switching put in, then um, it will fundamentally enable you to do remote broadcasts, uh, you know, full scale remote broadcasts uh, without having to make any compromise.
0: Yeah, that will be so awesome. We were just kind of chatting about some of that on the pre show or uh, on the segment break. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mm -hmm. I just have, there's literally billions of ideas for what we can do once we get that far and it's right there's 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 just so many things i'm chomping at the bit e- uh, even this month on the 27th there's a perfect opportunity if we had a system like that so it's all building towards some mm-hmm. pretty cool stuff and i think the lesson we've learned here is we really have to address every single component even the stuff that we kind of written off we kind of had to go back right and readdress that and so <clears throat> you know it's mm-hmm. funny because you showed it there and you're very nice looking wood rack by the way mm-hmm. um yeah, thank you. I feel like what you really you, sh- you have, you have what you have there is is a high mm-hmm. end of a studio as you would find at uh, <clears throat> Como, our local ABC affiliate, mm-hmm. where I got I got a tour mm-hmm. there with Chase one time, and I went in those rooms where people go and they they do like the the, the satellite sure. feed, and they're like, yeah, hi Wolf, I'm here to yep. tell you about, man, what you got is. Ten times better than what they're doing there for prope- professional sure. national te- television, and you have a full legitimate studio, and it's it's like mm-hmm. it's funny because there's that one component that you didn't really quite totally as yep. like would be the bottleneck. Is you built everything else around right. it, and then there's that one thing. So now it's now it's addressing the, the, the and, last and remaining issues. And, and you know, and the uh, yeah, and the thing
1: is, like it seems like. Different uh, applications uh, have different tolerances for things. So, for example, um, when I was using, um, when we were going straight from Hangouts, and I was I was just using Hangouts, I, I think that the I don't know if that that frame rate issue was there. It was what it was. Wh- it was when I started using a second computer to do the Hangouts, and then I was using this computer to run OBS to try and switch between the, so I could show my desktop. Then my my frame rate just like tanked. Um, but at the same time, like the audio quality was never really great with hangouts. And it's like, it's like different things excel at different ways. And I feel like this spending a little bit of money and, and, you know, I tried to keep it as, 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 as budget friendly as possible, but spending a little bit of money, I feel like I have removed all of the bottlenecks, at least on the, on the production computer side of it. Now, you know, maybe we will run into something else, but I feel like there really isn't a whole lot more to go to with the six gen i7 and 16 gigs of Ram. Yeah. I mean, especially I was for a little upset. I'll tell you one thing. One thing I would do differently, and I I, I actually – I didn't understand that this was happening or I would have not done this. What I meant to order was two 8-gig sticks. What I wound up with was four four 4-gig sticks. And obviously that's not desirable because when I go to upgrade to 32 gigs of RAM, I'm going to end up throwing two sticks of RAM away. Actually, four Mm -hmm, sticks of RAM mm -hmm. because I'm going to have to put 8 gigs. So I'm not – that If you're going to do the same thing, I would not recommend buying the same RAM I bought because, uh, like you said, I've maxed out my RAM slots and I'm not very happy about it, but it is what it is. And I think 16 will be fine for, you know, for establishing. video for conferencing. Video.
0: Yeah. That's pretty nice. Yeah. I can't wait to see it all comes together. So what's going on with the case exactly? I don't know if I understand. You don't have the... So-
1: yeah, so Newegg basically sent all of the stuff out at the same time, but because the case got shipped separately, it had a separate tracking number. Well, for whatever reason, the case arrived two days earlier than the rest of the parts did. Now, I was watching the, tr- the, the, the tracking number for the parts from the day that they shipped, and I knew it was going to be delivered on Thursday, so I didn't really pay much attention on Tuesday and Wednesday w- what was coming. And when the parts arrived, I assembled them all and I was taking pictures and sending telegrams to Chris and Rick. High and I'm like, look at this. And, and I was really proud of it because I plug it in and from the time I took it out and got the operating system installed, and the computer was running, it was like 22 minutes. And I'm like, that's pretty good for being able to, open the box and pull all the stuff out and, and and get it up and running. And then I get done and I'm like, all right, let's put it in the case. I didn't order a case. How did I not order a case? I can't believe I forgot to uh, order a uh-oh. case. Actually, yeah, I can believe that. I forget everything. And then I go back in a new egg to order a case. And I realize I ordered a case, but my case isn't here. So it turns out they delivered it, but it got stolen or I'm not even entirely sure. I believe that it got delivered. I kind of think there might've been a mix up there, but so now I'm working out with Newegg that they can send me a new one, but they're kind of a pain in the butt because they, if they replace a stolen package, you can do that one time and one time only. Right. And then after that, you're just whatever it is. And I don't know if I want to use my one time only thing on a $98 case. I might just eat the 98 bucks if it comes down to it. Um, well, because if because in the future if I ever order anything I don't want to like I don't want to lose like an eleven hundred dollar package full of computer parts right mm. so it just I don't know it's a pain not very happy
0: yeah that is a tough spot hopefully maybe by next episode it'll all be better so you know maybe you will have a maybe we'll yeah. have a success for us to report back to. All right. Yeah, well, well. If, I, if they don't straighten it out in the next in the next like day or so, I'm just going to order a case off of Amazon and uh, then I'll deal with the rest of it. <laughs> well, thank you for showing us around a little bit behind the scenes and uh, the new build. It sounds like it's a pretty nice machine for a pretty great price. So that's the show's look at Linux's new Linux build. Wait, Linux's? I mean, Noah's new Linux build. And that brings us to the end of this show. But before we get into your emails and do the feedback, I want to thank System76 for sponsoring this segment. Go to System76.com and win a laptop. I think they're still doing that pop quiz giveaway. You have to go check. They have a they have a page all about it over on their website. But beyond that, this is really a great place to get a machine built for Linux, something designed from the ground up, intentionally considered. That's an important part, because you can find people out there that can load Linux on anything. You can go to Best Buy and throw something on there. But if you want a complete experience, something you know that's going to be supported by a company, it's part of the ecosystem that makes Linux great, check out System76. And they've got machines of all different power ranges, including the GTX series in those in those laptops. The cra- oh, geez, that's just nuts. That is super sweet. And look at their desktops, too. I really think the Retel Pro is a nice performance to... Uh, Price match, and you can start with the integrated graphics and throw in a GPU later on. The Meerkat's tiny. The Sable will be great in the in the uh, kitchen. I know that sounds crazy, but there are people out there, like uh, that guy right there, that put computers in their kitchens.
1: Probably some of well, you so, out there do too. You know what? That out of all the computers in our house, the one that is in the kitchen easily gets the most use out of every out of every computer we own cumulatively that one gets more use because it's you walk into the kitchen and you're like hey i need to look up a recipe or i need to google this or i need to ship this or whatever check my email or check the bank account or transfer or whatever it is and the thing is those that that uh, that all-in-one sable <clears throat> complete i they have these mounts that go underneath your counter and then you can it's for a tv so you can oh flip down a TV well, that's and legit talking, and, and here's what's going to happen you mark my words because my kitchen is super outdated because we m- moved houses. When we redo our kitchen, I'm going to cut out a little cubby for the computer station, and I'm going to put one of those stable completes on one of those flip-down mount thingies. So it, it just it, it sits nice. there so when you're not using it, you've got the counter space you can cook. Oh, I need the computer, and just flip it down. Wow. A wireless keyboard. That's now. super That's cool. That is Hi, super cool.
0: Go to System76.com, and when you buy a machine, let them know the Linux Action Show Center. Tell them Noah switched you to Linux, actually. Do that for me. Noah switched you to Linux. Oh, and the Meerkat, too. Man. Oh, dude, look. They have a thing up about the augmented reality sandbox. Cool. Yeah. Which is way better in real life. Yeah, yeah, that is way better. But that was one of the coolest things we saw when we went there. And that is, They got a piece up about it now, too. Good for them. That's really cool. Check it out at system76.com. And thanks to System76 for sponsoring this segment. So we got an email into the show. We actually got a few emails into the show, it turns out. That's a thing that happens every now and then. People went over to uh, jupiterpodcasting.com. Clicked on that contact us link and uh, lo and behold, chose the next action show from the drop down. Dimitru, you put the first one in here just because it's a, You get James for yours and I get. <laughs> Dum Itaru. Dum Itaru. D U M I T R U. Just call him D-Fizzle. Dumb. Uh, how about, okay. Well, I don't want to call him dumb because that sounds bad. About Double D. I'll call him Double D because his last name starts with a D. So Double D writes in. No? Okay. I won't call him that. Uh, I'll call him Mr. D. Mr. D writes in and says, hey, guys, thanks so much for all the shows you do. I want you to check out this funny video I found on Linux. And uh, it is the... Um, I don't know what to call this. It's the, it's the it's the it's the it's the heavy accent Mexican guy who sits there and does. Everybody dubs different memes underneath him, and it's a Linux meme. It's this guy. I can't play it because it'll get us pulled down off of uh, YouTube. But it's this guy. He talks about you know all, all kinds of things, and there's like just like the Hitler meme, just like the keyboard cat meme. There's a thousands of these, but they all get collected at Reddit.com slash r slash Linux memes, and they do. Which is a real choice one right now. Have the Windows 95 blue screen, uh, where Bill Gates blue screened up on stage a Windows 95 computer while demoing uh, plug and play. That's a real piece of tech history right there. It's a classic, and that's up on the uh, Linux R memes too. So you can go check that out. It got all the other funny ones up there. So there you go, Mr. D. Yes, we know about the video. Thank you for passing it along to us. And if you want to get your meme on, reddit.com slash r slash linux memes. Now, Noah, I believe you had an email from James. Yeah, James S. <clears throat> See, I can pronounce names. No it's fine. Problem. It's fine. Problem. No problem. He's, he, wa- he wanted to write in
1: talking about switching to an Arch-based distro. He says, hey, I recently made the jump from Parabola GNU slash Linux, essentially Arch, but using a Linux Libra kernel and an, that is FSF supported. <clears throat> I'm very glad I did, and now I have the latest packages available at my fingertips, and I don't have to worry about support running out. I'm not going to lie, I was a bit skeptical installing an Arch-based distro, being a Debian Ubuntu Trisco guy in the past. I don't know for how many years, but the experience going through and installing an Arch based distro from the ground up was definitely worth it. One last thing system D and the init system is so freaking easy to use. I know what the hype is about now. I love it, love it, love it. Oh, and one final thing I promise this time I am enjoying GNOME as my desktop environment after using i3 for a while great show keep it up and so uh there's a couple of things here that are kind of interesting to me one is <clears throat> i think there's a lot of people that have this idea that if you use something that is freedom respecting like triskel or something like that you're you're handicapped and, and you're stuck with like you know super old stuff that isn't really maintained or, or updated so it's kind of cool that there is an arch twist uh, if you will, that has all of the SFS uh, approval. If that if that kind of thing is important to you. And yeah. the second thing I thought was the second thing I thought was kind of neat was he kind of takes your view, Chris. He he is saying that he he's going from a tiling window manager over to GNOME, and he's not finding any loss of productivity, which I hmm. thought you'd kind of think
0: is kind of cool. That is interesting, especially reflecting on our user air conversation not too long ago. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, James, I would say uh, that sounds like a pretty fun setup. It sounds pretty close to something I'd do. I thought maybe I would use James's email as an excuse to update folks on my GNOME desktop. Ooh, please. Which I'm showing right here on the uh, video stream. And I thought probably the thing that everybody cares about is... Uh, really what GNOME extensions I'm using. I have Chrome proper right now as my default web browser. And the extensions, James, you might want to check out, if you don't already have it, is Dash to Dock. I like that one quite a bit, and it actually has some pretty intelligent configuration now. I love the Do Not Disturb extension because I just check a box and all notifications go away on my desktop, kind of like the elementary OS uh, Loki update. Also, uh, I I just prefer to have a little force quit icon on some of my machines, the ones that I have on the air. I have a little button, a little red button. I click that, and then anything else I click on dies immediately. I don't have to go launch a terminal, do a PS, and get the PID, and then go issue a kill command, which, if I'm honestly on my computer upstairs, I don't even bother with that. I just, I'll I'll do a PS kill. But when I'm on air and I'm talking and an application locks up on me, I want to be able to, while I'm talking to you, close it and then relaunch it immediately without you even knowing that I've done that because I'm kind of, you know, trying to keep it seamless. So, yeah, other extensions I have on here, which I'm actually going to turn off right now, is Freon, which... uh, I'm just turning off. It was, a, it, was a, it was a CPU temperature monitor and disk temperature monitor. But I've been, I've been finding that when you have too many monitors that ping system resource load, it actually slows down your GNOME desktop a little bit. I've got an imager screenshot upload. And, James, here's the other one I want to recommend to you. Minimum Workspaces. I think, so I've only, James, I'm really only recommending these two extensions. I'm just kind of overviewing all the other ones. Minimum Workspaces allows you to always have a persistent set of workspaces in GNOME. And that's that's just kind of how I prefer to work. I don't always like the dynamically generated workspace thing. So Minimum Workspaces is a super simple extension. I've never really even had a break on me. There's other nice ones I have, like Transparent Top Bar. And uh, a sound input and output device chooser, which is kind of unique to me in production because I want to be able to again choose my uh, sound input. Or let me zoom out a little bit so you can see that. So in the main user menu of Gnome, where you have like your power controls or whatnot, I expand out all of my different audio devices, and I can choose my audio input and output right here in the Gnome menu. Again, the only reason I do that really is because on air I want to be able to do that really quickly. But it's nice to have it if you're frequently changing those kinds of things. A couple other things I have on here is an uptime indicator up here, as well as a Bitcoin price tracker. And my favorite extension of all time, the ping extension, which just pings out to whatever I tell it to and gives me a little uh, indicator up here in the bar, which is surprisingly useful. I was wondering how long it was going to take you to get to the ping Indicator. one right? of my favorites, dude. one of my favorites. seems like a lot of extensions. Some of them I only have for production purposes. I don't generally have this many extensions on my main computers anymore, but I love all of these. And I've sort of whittled it down to just this list. I know it sounds like okay, I, but you can actually see if you're watching the video version, I've turned some of them off. Uh, and then last but not least, I'll just mention the theme super quick. The GTK theme that you're looking at right now, if you're looking at my screen, is Arc. It's dark, and one of the things I like about it is there's a transparent sidebar there, which is super nice and slick, but it's not overdone. I'm using Numix Square for the icons. I know it's weird. I'm mixing and matching, and uh, the shell theme is Arc Dark as well. So Arc is A R C, and uh, you can you can find just search the uh, A U R for that. And you can find that and get it installed. So there you go. That's sort of my quick overview of my GNOME desktop setup. Obviously, running the, the latest version of GNOME. On the uh, on the uh, arch, and then I got variety here that generates this clock and date. And uh, let's try. You ready to do background roulette live on the yeah. air? If it's ever gonna bite me, this will be the time. So this is dangerous. Uh, variety is an app pick that automatically changes your background. And I'm gonna go ahead and roll it. And hey, it's safe. It's safe. I don't really like no it, fun. but it's safe. It's safe. So there you go. Variety is a is a separate desktop application that Noah's talked about in the past. That does that for you. And I just... I, you know, actually, what I've been using Variety for? Hmm. run it on two computers, and when I really, really, really like a background, I save it to favorites, and mm-hmm. then... Um, I just figure like in a, in like six months or a year, or next time I reload a machine, I won't actually install Variety. I'll just go take the folder full of favorite images and rotate through those. That's nice. So that's that's my, a great right uh, idea. Yeah, so like that. that's, that's what I use Variety for. Anyways, that's uh, that's my GNOME desktop, James. And I, now that you're new to GNOME, I hope some of that helps. And uh, don't forget, if you go to GNOME extensions, you got to use a browser besides Chrome because uh, it doesn't support the Netscape plugin API. And if you want to send us an email, go to jupiterbroadcasting.com and choose Linux Action Show. From the drop down, or just email us directly, Linux Action Show at jupiterbroadcasting.com. People can also hit us on Twitter. I'm at Chris LAS. Noah, where would you like to send the folk?
1: Yeah, you can follow me personally at, at Kernel Linux or my company's website at Ultaspeed. And we're trying to tweet more and more, and we t- retweet some stuff.
0: I, I, you're, it's your damn handle. I'm calling you Linux now because I always, I always break up nicknames, and I think of you a lot of times. A lot Linux. of people, a lot of people just see me and Linux as synonymous. Same thing. Same thing. One. Next thing okay. you know, I'm going to start calling you Linus. It's going to be yeah. <laughs> I'm at Chris LAS. I don't know if I mentioned that. The network's at Jupiter Signal. If you want to follow news about the shows or interviews we're doing, things like that, we do that at, at Jupiter Signal. Uh, great news stories, application spotlights, projects you think we should know about. LinuxActionShow.reddit.com is a great place to submit that. And I'll just mention the JupiterBroadcasting.com slash calendar. That's where you can find our live times. So you can join us live. We've just recently done a double, but we're back to our regular schedule now. And of course, if you're subscribed to the RSS feed, None of that shenanigans matters to you. You just get it automatically when we release a new episode every single freaking week over at JupiterBroadcasting.com. Okay, everybody, thanks so much for tuning in this week's episode of the Linux Action Show, and we'll see you right back here next week. Wait, what are we doing? I forgot what we're even doing.
1: I'm putting links in the show notes Jeez, before we Jeez, the
0: notes. That thing again? We're still doing show notes? I've heard that's old. I heard podcasts don't do that anymore. Really? No, I'm kidding. Although, maybe. What's the matter? What's the matter? What's the matter?
1: Well, I forgot I ordered the processor and the, um, and the, uh, and the, mo- and the motherboard and stuff from two different That does matter. From two different places at two different times.
0: Well, that is challenging. But you know what? I have faith in you. I have real faith in you. I think you're going to get this. I think you're going to get this. I screwed up, boss. I screwed up. It's okay. It was just a real simple task that you should have been able to pull off no problem. Not only as yeah, an IT professional but a longtime PC builder.
1: No, I know, kidding. I know. now everyone's gonna go through and they're gonna be like, What what is he talking about? How do you build that thing for three hundred bucks? You didn't build that thing for three hundred bucks, I can't find it. Yeah, well you build it without a processor at three hundred bucks. Yeah, but you know, you know. And maybe by the time this episode airs it'll actually finish being
0: built. So, they- the chat room suggests we should stop promoting KFC. Probably right. No, why
1: would, why would we do that?
0: Yeah, I agree. It's, it's, our a, jo- it's our job to talk about good things on the show. The pot pie is legitimately good by any measurable standard. By like, I feel like we should actually add the pot pie to the spotlight. It's factual.